Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Matt, and welcome to Pod Wraiths, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we're two friends watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine and sharing both our deep and irreverent thoughts on our favorite Star Trek series. This week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 25, Facets, teleplay by Renee Echeverria and directed by Chris and directed by Cliff Bull. This episode aired on June 12, 1995. This week on Deep Space Nine, Jadzia Dax performs the Trill Jintara Ritual, which allows her to meet previous Dax hosts, while Nog starts his application to Starfleet. I just want to say that you pronounced the ritual way better than I would have, so congratulations. <laughs> so I was like, Jintara, 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 right before we recorded it, so it was fresh. So I didn't I stumble gonna, over it. I wasn't going to like peel the curtain back and tell everybody that, but no. Well, hey, I'm an, I'm an open book, right? You know? Are you? <laughs> I guess in... Ooh, in uh, called out. <laughs> I guess in... in the world of podcasting. You, yeah, you it's about be. it's really about ethics and podcasting. Um, <laughs> <The> ethics. <laughs> so uh, that's funny. We will start this as we start every other episode. Elise, did you or did you not remember this episode? Um, so it was really funny because I was like, I don't when I was watching it with AJ the other day, I was like, I don't remember this one. And then I'm like, wait, is this the one where Jadzia meets the previous hosts? And then I was like, Of course I remember this. So, yes. Um, the only thing was I thought the part with Joran was longer. Like, I've, I don't, I didn't remember that most of the storyline revolved around Curzon as opposed, yeah. as like a, opposed to, like, Joran being a weirdo. Yeah, and I, and I guess, like, in fairness, earlier this season we did have the, like, you know, Joran episode where we find out that Joran's a thing, so maybe they didn't want to, like completely yeah. like go back oh, into that mm-hmm. um totally i get that but i i think why it kind of you know sticks in the collective memory a little bit is just avery brooks's performance as joran is just incredibly unsettling yeah and there was a few unsettling performances honestly uh, yeah. right but like actually they had to reshoot the avery books avery brooks as joran stuff because the first time they decided he was way too creepy so this is oh, the toned really? down version yeah he oh was my like God, i would have loved to see that it was doing just like this really like unsettling like whisper talking or something like that. That was oh, that's like so creepy. Yeah, I would have yeah. enjoyed seeing that. Um, I did also find that Renee Bergenois' performance was a little bit unnerving. Um, when he was like, I came up with a name for it, Curzoto. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we can talk more about that later. But yeah, it was really interesting to see the different hosts and kind of being able to tell why Jadzia may have picked that friend to be that yeah host yeah and like I think part of the fun of this episode um and it's it's one that Tani Newsom who plays um Ensign Mariner on Star Trek Lower Decks has referenced in interviews before as being a really fun episode because I think she referenced it as having major theater kid energy where oh, totally. <laughs> the cast gets to like have like, I mean, with the exception of um, Renee as, as Odo and getting right. kind of the, the last couple acts there, but it's like the actors get a different scene where they get to play someone else and like, you know, have a little bit of fun with that. I think 
one of my favorite examples is actually the first one with um Kira where Nana's playing the the first host yes. and the way that like yeah Nana changes her voice but even like the physicality of that performance oh, totally. is just so different from Kira like I really like appreciated that and Colm's doing it doing that that Tobin voice that like and... nervousness it's really yeah. funny though because even though I think um I guess we're kind of just getting into it right away but I, even though I think that those hosts are different from Kira and and um <clears throat> O'Brien it makes sense to me that someone that was like the first council member or whatever would be played by Kira of all of the people. Like, it makes sense right. to me that, like, the technical, like, math person who is a little nervous would be played by O'Brien. Like, that that made sense to me. Um, I loved that we got more Lita. Um, we also learned that she and Dax are friends. We've only seen Lita once um, before this. And I just enjoy, like, she's a Dabo girl, but, like, she's portrayed extremely smart and that she knows a lot about trill culture and she finds she knows that in her line of work she needs to know a lot of things about a lot of different cultures and it just seems like she's like a really intuitive person and I feel like that's why I'm drawn to her as a character I really like Lita a lot yeah and what's interesting too in doing some background research as one does you know, yesterday in anticipation of this podcast, originally when they were, you know, assigning the parts of Dax's previous hosts, they realized the um, imbalance of feminine presenting hosts and and masculine presenting hosts. Yes. So they're like, well, they do the bit where one of the the feminine hosts um, is played by Quark, which is you know one of the the bits of the episode. But they not only one of the women hosts, like the one that had like children. So yeah, it's like the most more. maternal. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but originally they were going to as the as a reoccurring um, character who was a woman have Rosalind Chow back as as Keiko in the like Lita role, but Rosalind wasn't available and they had um, Chase Madison, you know, previously as, as Lita in that kind Mm -hmm. of prologue. So they're like, Oh, let's go with that. And then they have the line that plays, you know, that explains why she's there, but them growing together as friends. But, um, Iva Stephen Barron and the other writers were were a little kind of disappointed with the results because we never actually saw the friendship. It was just a line to explain why she was there. But ultimately, Morlita is never a bad thing in my books. Yeah, I, I'm not bothered by it. I mean, of course, I would love to watch them become friends. But, like, it's not something that I'm like, oh, man, I didn't get to see that. Like, we see it going forward, and that is enough for me. And another interesting kind of idea or like um, original kind of, you know, because I'm always, let me start again. I'm always interested in, you know, the discussions of what goes into the final episode and how the writer's room breaks the story and and everything else like that. Um, And originally they're going to have Jadzia or Terry Farrell, excuse me, playing all of the different hosts you know, and, and then the other the cast would interact with these various 
Terry Farrell playing these various hosts throughout the episode. And then they're like, well, we don't really learn anything about Jadzia or Dax in that. Yeah. So that's where they, they shifted it to the host being, you know, the Jantara looking, looking a little bit differently. I feel that that would be meaningless. To, like, I, I would get nothing out of that if they had it that way. Um, it makes much more sense story-wise and to make it a good episode by having Jadzia be the one to learn these things um, because she always has those hosts inside of her. So it's, it's yeah, I feel like that is something that isn't, wouldn't have been as special. Yeah, and, and I suspect that that idea kind of started with the, the original nugget of planning this episode. The idea originated with, with Ira, and he wanted to basically do a version of the 1976 TV movie Sybil, which um, stars Sally Field, who s- ends up having this almost like kind of what... Um, I haven't seen this movie, but kind of what uh, M. Night Shyamalan and, uh, ended up doing with Split later on, um, where have where the Sally Field has a mul- multiple personality disorder, mm. and so it's you know very much kind of that that sort of acting clinic, I guess, in that TV movie about the different personalities or whatever. So you can see where they would take that to the original idea, but I'm I'm glad they they flipped it around. I think it's more interesting. I haven't um, seen either of those movies. Actually, my only M. Night Shyamalan movie is Signs. I haven't seen any of his other films. But I'm curious to see Knock at the Cabin because it was filmed in the Pine Barrens (laughs) of New Jersey. Anyway, that was off topic. Is I do. The, uh, I is do. the Czechoslovakian from the Sopranos, air quotes Czechoslovakian from the Sopranos, still running around in, <laughs> in the woods or whatever? That was actually woods. filmed upstate, not in the Pine Barrens. So what? Probably not. I learned it today, actually. Um, well, not today. I learned it recently because I'm listening to Michael Imperioli and um, Steve Sharippa's book. Um, that's basically. It's about the Sopranos, but it's mostly taken from their podcast on it called Talking Sopranos. And yeah, Michael said it was filmed upstate. I was very disappointed. I assume he meant upstate New York because the studio that they filmed in, when they filmed on location a lot, they would come to New Jersey. But the actual studio that they would film in was in Queens. So when he says upstate, I assume he means upstate New York. Yeah, and like, I mean, they're all largely New York-based actors, right? Which is why you mm-hmm. see them pop up in anything that was shot in New York yes. that features Italians. Yes, they uh, said they always get calls for, like, those roles. <laughs> yeah. Every um, East Coast-based Italian actor. <laughs> yes. This episode somewhat has an A and a B plot. Um, the B plot is a lot smaller. It's um, Nog a- is applying to S- Starfleet, or it's like an. I-, I was a little confused. Was it an yeah. entrance exam, or was it no. like, or was Go it ahead. like a was it like a test, like a pre a pre test or something? Yeah, I I think it's a pre test, right? Okay, like, so they it's... did say he would need to take another test at the end of the episode. Yeah, like I it's. It's like you need so many like courses or modules done to be eligible to like take the entrance exam. And I think it's it's one of those. Um, and like the only reason like I went there so quickly is like in early next generation, there's like a another episode where Wesley has a plot line where 
he's writing like there's several episodes actually where he's taking exams before going to Starfleet Academy re- and things like yeah. that. So I remember the TNG episode where he's like put with a bunch of other kids and like I think that's the one where he doesn't get picked or he doesn't pass. No, he doesn't. And I think that's what they, I don't even think that's the entrance of them. I think they get invited to apply. Yeah, it was after very that. like. Yeah, I think that was like just, oh, these are some children we've heard a little bit about. Let's see what they're yeah. good at. I think that's what that one was. Yeah, and then there's the one before that that I'm thinking of too, where there's like the uh, Enterprise is visiting some star base, and then there's uh, he has to do that psychiatric test, and he has to like, you know save someone in a scenario that he doesn't know is real and then leave the other person to die and it's like keen to his psychology specifically because of what had happened with with picard and his dad jack crusher and and all of that stuff i think that's in season one but we're not a tng podcast we are a deep space nine podcast so i don't remember that one but i believe you that it exists I mean, I'm sure it got to, if they, I don't remember if Momble, um, if Sam watches Star Trek, I don't remember if they covered that episode or not. I mean, probably not. But yeah. Maybe. Um, I think as the seasons go on, um, Tessa has curated where they watch more and more episodes per season of that show. Yeah, well, the, the first two, I think this is a first season episode, so. Right. I mean, take, can take what you want out of that yes so um i felt like the b plot almost was more about rom than nog a little bit i I know it wasn't but like it had rom being a proud dad and then sticking up for his son and then being a proud dad again like he was very protective of him against quark and i love when he sticks up for nog especially against quark like that is something that I find wonderful. Um, I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago where we discussed um, the, I don't know, family. Family business. Family business. Called? Thank you. I That's what I thought. And then I was like, am I wrong? Um, and he got to yell at Cork a little bit in that one as well. Um, it's really, I liked, I just really liked this. I enjoyed watching O'Brien give Rom the test. Um I think O'Brien is a good teacher when it's like, because he's also taught, you know, he's also teaching um, Jake a lot of the time. Um, I, I just, it was very wholesome. Yeah, I really think kind of as we come through season three and we have one more episode, Wild, um, left in season three after this one we've really seen Rom start to come into his own a little bit, right? We talked earlier on like even back in season one how we didn't really the characterization of rom didn't really jive with who he knew rom to be later on like when he's trying to kill quark in that episode which was weird um (laughs) we don't talk about that it's like bruno we don't talk about it (laughs) but yeah we're really we're really seeing quark quark rom excuse me kind of stand up to quark selectively and you know, you, you mentioned that this was the B plot was almost more of a Rom plot than a Nog plot. Um, Max Grodenschek, who plays Rom, mentioned how this was one of his his favorite episodes, and he thinks it was really important to Rom's development going forward. So, 
Always nice when the actors agree with something that one of us says on the pod. <laughs> AKA, we're very smart on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and humble, too. Yes, and humble. The, the most humble. Be it ever um, so humble. There's no pod like Wraiths. It's funny. Um, yeah, I, it was so fun. I, I, it was, I really got a kick also out of Rom, like getting. Um, Nog, this bespoke um, Starfleet. <laughs> sorry, I just had to use that word. Starfleet uniform made by Garrick, as if like, and I, I just love how everyone else is like, yeah, that gets provided. Um, but it was so sweet, and it's just like very. It's like he doesn't. Let me rephrase. He may not know like the right prop thing to do in this instance, but he's showing his love regardless, and it just is really nice me yeah we we love a supportive parent we do was there anything else you wanted to highlight in this plot i don't think so um but it just seemed funny to have like a party and then it'd be like oh this isn't the real test i don't know yeah (laughs) it's fine (laughs) yeah well and the episode even like calls that out and and nog's like i know it's just important to my dad it's sweet that they had a party about it i am definitely not judging that at all it's nice so yeah no i don't have anything else to say about that the jentara a ritual where a joint trill gets to meet their symbiote's previous hosts during the Jintara, the previous host's memories and personality are transferred from the symbiont in the joint trill to someone else. Um, and then that's an opportunity, as we mentioned before, for the joint trill to, you know, meet their previous host and kind of engage with them in like kind of a, a different way or a, a different level. As we've also alluded to, the joint host gets to pick the vessels for the memories and typically this this ritual happens on the trail homeworld but for some reason Jedzia has not made the time to go back so the the symbiosis commission sends one of the guardians who we met earlier this season who are the unjoined trail who take care of the symbiote pools um sends one of them to the station to do the ritual how did you feel these about the jentara I thought it was really cool. Um, I really like the idea of it because obviously you have their memories and you have um, the, the Dax's memories. But I can imagine that, and this is shown in the episode, that maybe you don't know where all the facets of your personality come from and this is where you kind of get to learn that. Um, And I just think that's really neat. It's like not the same, but it reminds me of like finding things you had in common with like your, your grandparents or like your ancestors. And I just think that's really cool. I wonder what it would feel like. And I mean, I'm not a joint trail, so I'll never, (laughs) I'll never be able to, no, I'm not. I'll never be able to experience it, nor will anyone else be able to experience it. But that's got to be like a bit of a head trip, hey, to have like part of your like memories or like your mind just kind of outside of you like that. Like that's a bit of a trip. Yeah, I bet it was. And I feel like even though she gets to talk to each one, it's probably extremely strange that during the time when they're 
their personality is in, you know, Kira or Bashir, for instance, those char- those memories are not in your body anymore. Um, and it must feel very disorienting and, like, part of you is missing. So, Elise, you have in the notes that it's it's clear that Jedzi has been putting off her Jantara for various reasons. Um, what do you think those reasons are? Um, I'm pretty sure that... Hold on. I just to see where I wrote that in the notes. Start of page two. Yes, thank you. Um, I think she's honestly scared to confront Curzon about um, why he basically cut her from the program. Um, and I would be too. That is very stressful, especially being that, you know, the last host is always someone that you had met and worked with. Um yeah, I just think she she was scared to confront him. Do you, what did you have a different thought on it? No, I I didn't. Um I just don't want to like, you know, jump into the the bulk of the like Curzon stuff unless there's something else you wanted to mention about one of the other hosts, but I definitely have thoughts on Curzon. Yeah, I don't I don't know that we need to jump to that bit yet but like that's definitely why i think she's been putting it off because i have thoughts on curzon as well who are your who is your favorite of the other hosts um i think that i really enjoyed um i don't know if i liked i feel really bad because i don't remember all their names but i don't remember if i liked not i don't remember i don't know if i liked lita more or o'brien more um Lita's just like bouncing around like doing gymnastics and it's like the most cheerful thing I've ever seen which is really sweet um and it was interesting how I think actually Tobin might have been my favorite because he's so insecure and nervous and you see how Jadzia's personality like kind of puts him at ease and so it's interesting to me that that happens inside of Jadzia's brain, basically, probably on a regular basis. So I, I think I liked it from that perspective of thinking how when these two people are joined together, it must be really interesting. Who was your favorite? Who was my favorite? It was Duran. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I did like. I did like. Um, I thought Brooks performance oh was, yeah was he creepy. was great um Duran's so evil <laughs> it was honestly probably oh i can't remember the first host the one that leela Le- right leela thank you um i was like the only one besides tobin who's well i guess i just don't remember bashir's name or leela's name uh leela's emony because that's the gymnast because i remember that because there's okay. a there's a bit about emony Later on in, in season five, what, there's like and, a, a joke. Yeah. And Cork was Audrid or something was their name? Yeah, that's that sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. I didn't remember what Bashir's car- like name was. I always get Tobin and Tarias confused. Oh, so it's Tarias. You're, you're yeah. right. Yeah, um, Tarias is... Although I did enjoy Cork sure interrupting was. his session to be like, uh, yeah. how much more of this do I have to do? <laughs> that was very yeah, funny. And that's actually... Thanks for bringing that up because that's an important question that the 
the folks have about participating in the Jantara is like what happens to them and their memories while the other hosts are, are in their head and they're they're present and can still take back control at any time and like you know they're not totally losing themselves right right so. but i i also enjoyed how they used that knowledge to play with us on the joran part because joran pretends that he's back to being cisco and then he like starts choking Jadzia and you realize he's still Joran. So it's like they took that knowledge that we knew and obviously the ho- the hosts, the other hosts know that that's how it works. Um so he he fooled everyone by pretending he was, you know. So I thought that was a really fun play on on that bit. So the bulk of time in the A plot during the Jantar and the most time we spend with one of the former hosts because up to this point everyone gets one scene yeah is Odo join <laughs> for lack of a better word with with Curzon that, that um, was like a whole different thing <laughs> <laughs> literally um so obviously the ritual goes a little bit different with um Odo in ways they weren't expecting because he's not a humanoid he's a changeling and there's it's like i said it's almost like curzon and odo have been been joined it's like oh well for like not to like invite discourse from another star trek show (laughs) are you gonna say it's it's like two vix (laughs) it's like a two vix situation yeah it was much less scary than two (laughs) vix i don't know me and my friends would have killed two vix with hammers i know that well, that's how I know you're from New Jersey. <laughs> but it was still really unnerving. Like, Odo had this, like, he got the trill spots. His hair was a little higher, I guess. And he, yeah. he had this smile. that It was the smile that, like, was creepy to me. Yeah, and, like, Michael Westmore talks about doing the, the Odo Curzon or Curzodo, whatever we want to call him. Um, well, I almost said Quoto, but then I was like, no, that's, like, change a letter. That's my Quark Odo name, so I, could, I had to add the Urz Yeah, in no, there. fair. Um, <laughs> in doing, like, the updated, like, Curzodo, like, um, makeup, that Westmore basically blended the Odo makeup with and tried to make it look a little bit more like back in emissary we see um which is the the pilot the first episode we see curzon you know dying and dax the symbiote moving into jadzia and i can't remember that actor's name unfortunately i should have written it down but basically he tried to blend his face with the odo the usual odo makeup and that's where you get kind of the other the other features and in you know the quizoto makeup interesting one thing I thought was kind of funny, um, you know, Curzon is being very silly and like, oh, let's let's raid the evidence locker basically for like alcohol and do all these things that Odo would never do. But I do find it hard to see Odo in that portrayal. Um, I know they acted as if it was both of them, but I really did not see Odo in that. Um, it didn't resonate as his personality to me i don't know if that's because curzon has such a strong personality which obviously from everything we've heard i do think is true um but i felt that the idea that everyone was kind of like somewhat entertaining the idea that they would stay joined like or blended or whatever you want to call it like completely ridiculous 
um, I don't believe that making, forcing them to unjoin is a good idea either. You know, we should, it almost reminds me of like forced mind melding and other things we've talked about where it's like, you know, people should still have body autonomy. But the idea that people, that Jezia for a second was like, I don't know, maybe let me just let them just do this. Like that seemed insane to me, like, and completely unbelievable that that would be like entertained. Well, I think that's just a reflection of her own, like, um, fear and in- insecurity about, like, dealing with, with Curzon, right? Um, and I think, like, the bit of Odo we're supposed to get is, like, is in the ways in which that, like, Curzon slash Odo, like, fuck with Quark. Like, wanting to fuck with Quark is an Odo thing, because why would Curzon care, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that's probably, like, a little bit of the Odo. Um but I do want to, like, call out a, a quote from Rene Echevera, who, who wrote the episode. Um, and this is in the Deep Space Nine Companion. And it, it's in a section where Rene and Ira are talking about how they, they, they weren't overly happy, quote, with, with how Curzon came across in the episode. And, and here's the quote from Rene. If I had to do it over again, I would have, I would have been more careful about his character his being Curzon. Mm-hmm. He was almost always drinking or talking about drinking. And then the quote from Ira in the same part says, the way Curzon came across was by no means the way I saw the character. I saw him as a kind of bon vivant. Instead, he was like Shecky. Curzon, Shecky Curzon, a wacky fun guy. What um, does the first, what does that mean? The French. I was just going to look it up. I oh, should. thank you. But yeah, I would say that they definitely made him seem wackier than I had thought he would have been as well. So I don't I don't disagree with that. But I just don't know what that other term means. Bon vivant. A person who enjoys a sociable and luxurious lifestyle. Yeah. He's I a w- diplomat, bon vivant, and womanizer par excellence. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, a little bit more like refined in, in, in some ways and like... Like, he definitely was someone that, or I, I assumed he was someone who can, like, joke around with his friends based on his um, relationship with Cisco. And so, like, the part where he where he was hanging out with Cisco and Jake, it was like, oh, like, that woman you, like, you shacked up with. Like, that didn't feel out of character. Not that I know this character enough to call something out of character, but yeah. a lot of the other activity did feel very... Um, extremely self-indulgent in a way that felt extre- very careless maybe i don't know yeah and I, I think it's like the carelessness for me right where I mean, it's we like do almost know that like he had that affair a long time ago too so maybe i don't know but like i i think there's like a difference like where like you're yeah you're being careless but like you're being like smart or refined like it's or, not that like on private isn't... about it you're not yeah it's it. not that like curves on isn't selfish he's just not like cartoonish about it and it's more like a a lifestyle like it's more like you know a french salon than like you know drinking at the local watering hole right like it's more opulence Uh, uh, uh. right like yeah i don't know um yeah i i agree so eventually after curzon also, I felt like Curzon was trying to blow off Jedzia just as much as Jedzia was scared to 
in like have a real conversation with him. Um, she finally gets to talk to him about him cutting her from the program, and I legitimately hate the reasoning. Um, this is the part of the episode where I get like sad because it like really is not as enjoyable. Um, I don't know what a better reason would have been, so I'm not trying to say, like, I should have written this episode or anything, but the he had feelings for her reason is gross, and I don't like it. And even the resolution at the end of the episode, where there's that conversation between Odo and Jadzia, and they, they have this kind of mutual discussion of, like, the things that they learned from the experience, and, like, Jadzia has memories of Curzon shape-shifting um, and Odo yeah. you know, enjoyed, enjoyed you know, the the lifestyle and finally, you know, got something out of eating and drinking and <laughs> staying up late and playing that, Congo. Like, that part was very charming for me. It, it's sweet, but also, like, I don't know. It's just... I'm... Struggling is probably too dramatic of a word. <laughs> but, like... When are we not j- too dramatic on this podcast? I don't know if this was a good episode or not. Like, it's kind of a weird episode in a lot of different ways. Like, I'm having, like... Like, if I had to rate it, which we don't really do on this episode for a myriad of reasons, but, like, if I had to, I don't know what I would rate it. Like, it's just... It's a bit of an enigma for me. Um, I feel like if I'm not being too serious, I think this is a great fun episode, but if I think about some of it too much, that it, you know, it goes down in my mind. I did like the conclusion when Jadzia finally tried to convince, um, Curzon, or Curzoto, that she did feel not herself without him, (laughs) I was going to say inside of her, but that just sounds very sexual, and I didn't mean it that way. Um, and that she loves him, too. Just I was, It was obvious to me, at least, that she obviously met in a, in a non-romantic way. Um, and I think that's phrasing it as, you know, this is how you're supposed to be together. You know, you, your memories inside of the symbiont, or however that works. Um, so it brought it back. For me, but I just, the whole, like, man can't have woman, so he hinders her whole career is just really dumb. Yeah, that it, that whole deal was like, what was that all about? What was that all about? Who knows? Yeah, I agree with you. It's like an entertaining 40 minutes, but if you stop to, like, think about it, it's just, it kind of falls apart. I think maybe seeing Lita do gymnastics just makes up for the rest of the episode. <laughs> and speaking kidding. of which, Elise, now it's time for the Altair Water thirst quenching segment. Altair Water first being mentioned by Dr. McCoy in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, who are you thirsting for this week? I had originally said nothing and no one, but now I'm thirsting after Lita doing gymnastics. <laughs> uh. She looks very bendy. And I hate myself for saying that. <laughs> I'm I'm a gross person. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, yep, yep, you're a gross person. I'm just like, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I mean, no, I didn't take it that way. All yeah. good. No, we, we love Lita. Would love to discuss galactic sociology with Lita. Yes. 
Oh my god, she'd be such a fun person to have a conversation with. I feel like Lita a little bit, and this is just because literally I watched the movie, um, the movie musical Sweet Charity for the first time yesterday. Real, <laughs> real quick, the way you phrase that, I feel like Lita a little bit. I'm like, are you telling me that you feel like Lita, or are you going to make a comment about Lita? <laughs> Making a comment. Okay. Um, and I think Lita's a little bit like um, Charity Hope Valentine in that movie, where she just seems like a fun hang. I want to hang out with Lita. Yeah. And my candidate for the most Star Trek thing we've already talked about is the confusing entry process in the 24th century to Starfleet Academy. That's a good one. I think mine would be the, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, the memory of the episode being better than it actually is. (laughs) Like, the fact that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this episode. It's cool, and all this stuff happens. And then you're like, oh, wait, it, maybe it isn't as good as I remembered. <laughs> fair. Fair, fair, fair. Was there anything else you wanted to mention, Elise? Um, no. I think I'm good. You? Uh, no, no, no. Until next time, Elise, where can folks find more of you on the internet? Yes, you can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Storygraph at chicken double underscore tendi. That's T-E-N-D-I. And you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd as well at at Mattyhugh, M-A-T-T-Y-H-U-G-H. Also at the, the time of recording this, I have a article that I contributed to Romance Week on moviejohn.com about the graduate scott pilgrim versus the world and courtly love so if you're interested in any of that please check it out you can also catch elise and i together on twitter and instagram at pod and you can email us at podrace at gmail.com um and i definitely recommend that article because i learned a lot while reading it and it was good um please remember to rate and review us on the podcasting system of your choice thank you again to our editor melissa and to dj empirical for our interstellar theme song